What's up, guys? This is Ryan. I am here with Mark and Nick's replacement, Pastor Chris, and we are Bible Dingers. Um, Nick hasn't actually been replaced. That was just a joke, but uh, for now, he's been temporarily replaced. Yes, (laughs) (laughs) with Pastor Chris, and we are continuing on uh, through our series on the book of Revelation. Uh, if this is the first episode that you've listened to in this series, you got to go back. You really can't start here. We've already gone through all of the different views of eschatology, and we've already uh, started going through the outline of Revelation. This is much different than our prior episodes for the other books where we tackle everything in one episode. Uh, walking through the book of Revelation is uh, kind of time-consuming here. And so we've, we've decided to break it up into four different episodes. And so if you haven't heard at least the outline part one and two, please go back for the next uh, for the past couple episodes and listen to those before jumping into Revelation outline part number three here. With that being said, we finished all the way up to Revelation chapter 11. Uh, so we've made some serious progress. We have... That leaves, what, 11 to go? We have 11 to go, so we're hoping to tackle those over the next two episodes. And uh, Pastor Chris, thank you so much for helping walk us through this. I I could never do this. I don't think Nick or Mark feel like they could ever do this either without your support and walking through the book of Revelation. Uh, The book of Revelation is definitely a lot of fun, and I would agree with you that... uh, not that far back, I wouldn't have been able to do this either. <laughs> uh, spending a lot of time in it uh, recently um, and very excited about it. The book of Revelation went from being um, my, I, I used to say that I, I, you know every book of the Bible is my favorite book. And then in quotes, except Revelation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but now I, I definitely think it. Uh, Revelation is really the capstone, yeah, to the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. And the more uh, the more I've learned about it over this past year or two, and the more we walk through it, really, the more beautiful it is to me. You know, it's just such a, a an amazing summarization, I guess, or summation, or, or whatever the word is there, of the entire Bible. And uh, I've I've really grown to to love this book too over the past year or two. So. With that being said, like I mentioned earlier, we are on Revelation 12. Let me set the scene for you. We have a woman and we have a dragon and they're in the sky. Pastor Chris, is this an actual woman and an actual dragon that we can expect to see in the sky one day? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I had a discussion um, recently with uh, some others who... Um, you know, we were, we were talking about the dispensational view that that kind of says everything is is literal uh, mm-hmm. here, and um, I think we have a hard time taking these two things as as literal and mm-hmm. uh, you know what that means. So let's uh, get ourselves started on this, and, and I have to tell you that chapter twelve is the chapter that changed my whole view of Revelation. Really, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, as I was reading chapter 12, and again, you, you, you cannot read the book of Revelation without reading it in light of 
the whole of the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. I've said it several times, but I'll say it again. Revelation contains very little new information. Um, it's expansions upon things that, that have already been shared in the Old Testament, but it's not, um, it's not new information. And so uh, you have to go back to the Old Testament. You have to look at the, uh, the signs and these symbols in light of, of what the Old Testament says. And, and I'm reading Revelation 12, and I'm reading uh, you know, about this woman, and then I'm reading about you know, the, the child that she bore. And I mean, it's like, how can you not say that this is Israel? Hmm. Hmm. Okay, uh, you know, going back to the dreams of Joseph. And uh, so if this is Israel and the child that is born is Christ, not the church, which is what, a, you know, I'm an Amil person, and most Amil uh, individuals will say that this is the church hmm. that's, that's being born um, out of Israel. And, and I mean, no, this, this is Christ, and, and we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, but if, if, you, if, if this is Jesus Christ, then why is it in the middle of the book? Why, why is the birth of, of Jesus in the middle of the book? Uh, and that made me rethink the the whole structure of uh, of Revelation. Hmm. Um, so let's get down to it and and start taking it uh, piece by piece. And it does open up with the woman who uh, is is given in terms of Joseph's dreams uh, back in Genesis, where he you know sees the uh, you know, the sun, the moon, the eleven stars. Uh, you know, and uh, which represent his brothers, and uh, and they're bowing down to him. Okay, so uh, you know the the picture is very similar to what John is doing here, but John is expanding it as he has everything else, and uh, it's a picture of Israel, the uh, you know Israel um, giving birth, but Israel under the um, under the persecution, under the suffering of the dragon. And, and this is where we get introduced to this dragon. Uh, and the, the dragon is, um, as Dr. Sinclair Ferguson would say, the, the dragon is the serpent that has swallowed up so many people that he's expanded now into a, a dragon rather than a serpent. And, and, of course, the text tells us that it is, you know, the dragon, the old, uh, you know, the serpent of old. Mm -hmm. So that uh, that connection is made for us. We don't even have to guess uh, that this is, uh, this is Satan uh, and his powers who are seeking to destroy the, 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 the woman um, and, and this, particularly the seed of the woman. And that seed is, however, born and is snatched up to heaven. Um, and the, the picture there is that of the birth and then the ascension and coronation, which we saw in chapter 11. Um, so we have this uh, you know, birth of Christ, his ascension, and his coronation in heaven. And what is the result of that? Well, the result of that is Michael and the, uh, the, the his angels fighting against you know, the, the serpent, uh, the dragon, and his followers uh, who are then cast out. And th there's this uh, picture that we have of this battle going on in heaven that Frank Peretti 
uh, has given to us of, you know, angels sweeping in and out of buildings and, and you know, going all, you know, crazy and wonky on, on us. And if the saints aren't praying enough, then the, the angels are losing. And when we start praying harder, then the angels win. And, uh, you know, so you're getting that, that you know, real battle we can go to, uh, uh, of course, the... Um, the movie series that that have come out, uh, whether it's um, the Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe kind of picture or, or that kind of thing, and you know, so that's that's the picture that people have when they read this. But but if you look at the text, the text doesn't say that. The text says that they've overcome him by the blood of Christ and the testimony of the saints. Hmm. Okay, so. Uh, how did they win? Did they win by you know having superior numbers and, and better equipment uh, for this battle? No, they they uh, defeated him through Christ's ascension into heaven, where the accuser of the brethren is now cast down. Right, he he can no longer accuse the brethren um, in in heaven. That is uh, the saints, the the elect, um, you know, because he's he's cast out. Uh, and so, the, the the picture then is of him being cast out and coming down to earth. And there's a a woe given to us, and that woe is, uh, you know, those of you who are on earth, better watch out because he's coming down. And he's angry, uh, you know, having been cast out of uh, of heaven, uh, and and he comes down to destroy the the woman. All right. Um, and so he's, he's coming down to destroy Israel in a sense, and he does. If if we look at the uh, the preterist view of this, mm. uh, you know, the destruction of Jerusalem and you know the the, the Jewish uh, nation. So there's there's that side of it, but on the other side of it is the the picture of uh, Exodus and the wilderness, and this woman is given wings to fly into the wilderness. Well, the, the wings, that goes back uh, again to the book of Exodus where um, the, you know, Moses says that God you know, lifted them up on eagle's wings to take them out of the land. And so again, this is right out of the Old Testament and it's, it's just building on, on those concepts. Um, and so uh, you know, these, this woman is safe and secure in uh, this wilderness, but what is the wilderness? And the answer to that question uh, says is um, we're absent from the body, we're present with the Lord. Okay, which is we're out of Egypt. That is, we're out of the world, but we're not yet in that fullness of what God uh, has has promised to us. And as a result. Um, that you know, spirit our our spirit is present with the Lord, uh, and that's true then of the saints of Israel, because they are now safe and secure. Satan cannot touch them uh, because they are in that. Uh, I'll, I'll call it the halfway state. Um, the uh, that absent from the body, present with the Lord, but they are safe and secure there. And they're awaiting the entrance into the fullness, you know, into the new Jerusalem. They're waiting for that to happen. 
Uh, and so the, uh, the, these are the Old Testament saints. Um, Paul says, uh, you know, in Ephesians 4, that when, when Christ raised and ascended into heaven, he took captives captive in his train. And that is the saints of the Old Testament that were, were taken safe and secure into the presence of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. So uh, that brings us then to the end of uh, chapter 12, where there's a very um, poignant statement. And that statement is that, uh, you know, Satan was no longer able to touch them. So now he has turned his attention, it says, to the rest of her seed. Mm-hmm. Well, now that's, uh, you know, if, if you're looking at this as, you know, this is the church and the church is, you know, you know, safe and secure. Well, what's the rest of the seed? It, 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 that's just further Christians coming down the road. That's kind of the way that it's looked at. And my argument would be no. This is, you know, Israel, that, you know, the Old Testament saints that are safe and secure. And the seed, the rest of the seed, is the church. Mm-hmm. All right. So, so we're talking about. Chapter 12 being the birth, the ascension of Jesus Christ into heaven, the casting of Satan down um, from being an accuser of the brethren, uh, which happened when Jesus ascended into heaven with his blood, um, that is um, what, what brings us into the presence of God, uh, you know, taking away the wrath of God and, and, and bring us there so we can no longer uh, be condemned. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And, uh, and, and now um, Satan has come down to earth, and he's now going to take out his wrath against the rest of her seed, which is the church of Jesus Christ. Hmm. Right. So we're talking first century here. Okay. Right. And that, uh, that, of course, allows us to go back to chapters two and three and see what was happening to, uh, to, to the early church in that first century. So would you say that this statement about um, making war on the rest of her offspring, would you say that's limited to first century or is this sort of like an open event that's still going on today? It's definitely an open event that's still going on. And it is, uh, it, you know, it be- began then, um, but it continues on. Now, remember, Satan was already fighting against Israel, you know, trying to destroy the seed which is Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. But this is the rest of the offspring. This is the rest of the seed, um, the, the, the people of God. So yes, this is going on. And this is where I would say um, that we enter into the question about the tribulation and, uh, and, and when is the tribulation. And I think that this is telling us that the tribulation began in the first century and will continue until Jesus Christ returns. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. It makes sense. So you're are you connecting it to um, Jesus talking in Matthew about the great tribulation? Would you say that's that's that and this are the same one and the same? Um, yes, in and no. Okay, <laughs> because I do believe that Matthew twenty four has uh, a, you know is, is two parts in that sense. It's it is about the destruction of Jerusalem. All right. Um, and and that is in a sense the great tribulation um, for Israel. Uh, remember, well, I shouldn't say remember because there's been changes in the past hundred years on how people interpret 
um, which book came first of mm-hmm. the Gospels. Uh, I, I go with church history on this one, that Matthew was written first, that it was written as a transition, uh, as the church was transitioning from a Jewish to a Gentile uh, church, which would make it somewhere around, say, 50 AD, mm-hmm. um, very early, in uh, long before Mark and, and Luke. But we're not going there. <laughs> um, but as a result of that, this is, this is you know, uh, preparing for that transition. And uh, as a result, um, the, you know, the temple is still built. It's, it, it's still there. And the, the tribulation that is, is going to be faced is one that had never been faced before. Um, you know, to the extent, even when Jerusalem was destroyed by the Babylonians, um, they, uh, they, there still was a, a, you know, a people there. There was, there was, you know, the, um, you know, there was a population in a sense, but when the, uh, the Romans came in, I mean, there was nobody, I mean, they were either taken as captive or they were killed. Uh, or they had already been killed or already starved to death. It was, it was it's just one of those things in history that uh, that reminds us of the Holocaust mm-hmm. with uh, um, the Nazis. So uh, it, it, it was, you know, huge. And in light of that, um, when that happens, right, the people are to flee from uh, the city, and the, and the Christians did. They looked at Matthew twenty four and said. This is what it's talking about. Let's get out of here, which also plays into Revelation, but we don't have time to, to go back to, to talk about that. Um, but it is one of the things that made the Jews, you know, the, as um, John says, the synagogue of Satan mm-hmm. hate the Christians um, because they felt that the, the, Christian, the Christian Jews had abandoned uh, Jerusalem in the fight. So the... Uh, um, as a result of that, the question becomes then, you know, who's going to survive? And, of course, the elect are going to survive. Uh, but um, what's our hope if, if this is this tremendous destruction? Well, our hope is the second coming of Jesus Christ. Mm. And so the, the second part of Matthew 24 is, uh, is there to give, you know, hope beyond the destruction that was going to come. So um, that, that great tribulation is a continuation and has continued in that sense, not just the destruction, but that becomes the type then of the persecution that the church is going to endure until the end. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so that sort of sets the scene, I think, for chapter 13, unless you, you think there's anything worth note in chapter 12 beyond that. And now growing up and spending the majority of my life as a dispensational premillennialist, when we get into the first beast, I had always understood this as sort of an underling of the Antichrist, that the beast is like a a representative on behalf of the Antichrist. This is an actual person um, who's sort of doing the bidding of the Antichrist. And what would you say we we see here in Revelation 13? (laughs) Um. Well, you have to start with the dragon, mm-hmm. because this is really a trinity in chapter 13. You have the dragon, you have uh, the, the sea beast, and then you have the land beast, okay? So it's, it's an evil trinity balancing off the true trinity. Uh, 
Um, and this evil trinity is, is aimed at deceiving on the one hand, but on the other hand, destroying. Destroying the church while keeping the nations deceived, uh, which also will bring us to chapter 20 eventually mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and the issues of the millennium. But the, the, those, uh, those three uh, we have to look at because when you, when you look at the description of the dragon and the first beast, um, you know, there's tremendous overlap between those two. Okay, um, so you know there's there's a difference in terms of the the, the number of horns uh, and crowns, um, but otherwise they they're really very similar. Okay, so you 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 know is this Satan incarnate? Um, and the answer is yes, but is it incarnate in a person? And the answer is no, uh, because you're asking yourself, well, why is it a sea beast? Why is it a beast that's rising out of the sea? And uh, we can we can go back to chapter ten, where we have the uh, this glorious Angelos, this this messenger who has one foot on the sea and one foot on the land, and uh, and that that says you know control over those things. Um, so what does the sea represent? Well, the sea represents the masses of humanity, right? And, and I mean, this isn't just in, in Revelation. It's, it's true in the Old Testament as well, uh, that you get that same uh, picture. And that's why there will be no um, sea in the new heavens and the new earth, because that's, that's chaos. It's, it's, it's the masses of humanity in chaos, um, so arising out of that is this sea beast, um, and that 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 first beast, I would argue, is um, government institutions, uh, the the institutions in the world that um, dominate humanity, that that rule over humanity. It might be educational systems, political systems. Um, business systems in, in today's uh, terminology, we say tech systems. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they control the, the the thinking of the world, and and, and the um, the way that that, that people act. Um, and if they step out of line with those governments, and when we're talking those governments, I don't care if you're talking democracy or communism or you know uh, authoritarian. Um, you know, dictators, um, they all function the same way. They all, you know, are, are there to control how you think. Mm-hmm. And they do it through the educational systems, the political systems, the media, um, entertainment, etc. Okay? So that's, that, that's the, the uh, sea beast that is controlling these, uh, you know, keeping the chaos um, they're in the masses, all right? Um, and then you have the land beast. And the land beast is, is the religious side of things. It's, it's the one that is, you know, it's the false prophet. We, uh, later on in the book, it's called the false prophet. And its purpose is to advance the, uh, the, the, the work of the sea beast, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we ask, well, how does that go well look throughout history if you look at history the religion and the state 
went together. It went together in Rome, obviously, with the uh, empire, you know, em- the, the emperor worship, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so the empire and the religion connected together. And if you followed a religion that was not a legal uh, religion, like Christianity, uh, then you could be crucified, you could be killed, uh, your property could be taken, you know, all of those kind of things. Uh, so the uh, so the, it's it's the religions of the world. In today's um, you know world, we have Hinduism in India, we have Islam uh, throughout the Middle East, uh, we have um, the communists and the Orthodox Church in in Russia, uh, working hand in hand. Um, and you say, well, what about here in the United States? Okay, we have freedom. Well, do we really? Not anymore, even if we did. If we could say we did in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't right now. But secularism. Mm-hmm. Secularism is as much a religion as anything. So um, you name the era, era of history, the religions and the governments work together to control the, the, the way that people thought. Um, and again, if they didn't think that way, they were persecuted. Mm-hmm. Right, so um, that's really what's going on in chapter thirteen, uh, and chapter thirteen ends with that statement that everybody wants to know: who is six six six? Right, and 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 so people will ask me: Do you believe in the Antichrist? And I'll say with John: Certainly, I believe in the Antichrist. The Antichrist. Is already, you know, the spirit of Antichrist is already with us in the world and has been, uh, you know, for all the ages. Um, will there be a quote final Antichrist? Yes, there will be a final Antichrist because as the world uh, expands and gets larger, um, you know, the the um, powers to be get larger, mm-hmm. and uh, there's going to be a culminating uh, Antichrist at the end. Um, because otherwise the Antichrist would go on into heaven. So there's got to be an end one. Yeah. <laughs> there's got to be a final <laughs> one. Uh, so, but uh, the, the translation, the English translations tend to translate that as um, it is the number of a man. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, the reason they do that is that in the Greek, if you are identifying a specific individual, um, you would say the, you, you would put the article um, before it, all right? Um, and this is the Jehovah's Witnesses use this uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, John 1.1. 1, 1, His deity, right? right. Uh, yeah. The deity, I don't know, it's, it's a God, it's not the right, God. Right, right. Uh, it doesn't say the in front of it, so it's therefore a God. Well, the reality is it it's a nonspecific on one hand, but you don't have to say a man. You can say man mm-hmm. without the A in front of it. And I believe that that's what's being done here. And the reason that we have 666, one is for the dragon, one is for the Antichrist, and one is for the, uh, or the, the land, uh, ocean, the sea beast, and then one is for the, the um, false prophet, mm-hmm. you know, the, the religious things. So, it, we, we don't say 666, we say 666 because we have that trinity. Mm-hmm. 
So it can't be one person that's being talked about there because each six represents the dragon, the sea beast, and the land beast. All right. So it's six, 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 one for each of those. So that can't be an individual that's being talked about here. So leave off the word A, and what do you get? This is the number of man, right? Of humanity in its rebellion against God through its governments, through its religions, uh, as it rejects the, uh, the, the control of God um, and sets itself then against those who would lift up Christ, who would lift up the, the, the true worship of the true God. What's the purpose of even mentioning that there's a number corresponding with this entity in the first place anyway? Like I, you know, this, this has been a journey for me to come out of dispensational premillennialism into amillennialism over the past year or two. And so of course, from that camp, we believe that this was some sort of, um, marking or whatever, you know, that identified you with playing on the wrong team. Right. Um, so what, what, if that's not the case, if this isn't some sort of mark or some way to be tracked or something, um, what's even the point of bringing up that there is a number associated with this entity? Do I have to answer that? No. <laughs> yeah, I, no, I can. Um, all right. There's two things about that. First of all, look at look at the description of um, you know these uh, where the number you know the seal mm-hmm. um, is on on the people. Right, it's the same places that if you were a Jew under the Old uh, Testament, the same places where you would uh, place your phylacteries. You, you know, the on the forehead. All right. So when you're wearing your uh, you know cap or or whatever, you were to uh, you know have the little um, markings there, which reminded you of Deuteronomy uh, six, and then um, you know on the the ends of your your clothing. Mm-hmm. So on on your hands, you know uh, on the, the the bottoms of of the uh, outfits that you would wear. Um, and and these were there to remind you of the truth. Hmm. Okay, there's one God. Well, this is a, this is the same uh, thing, only of the evil Trinity. Okay, so we're not really looking at you know getting a computer chip stuck into your hand or you know uh, some kind of a, a you know secret mark on on your forehead that identifies you as as a follower of of the beast. It's simply saying that. Uh, in the same way that the Jewish people identified themselves as followers of uh, of the true God, that uh, that they uh, those who follow the world, um, you know, they they that's their truth hmm. that they have. So the the answer to the the number issue is that we talked about this when we were talking about numerology. The number six is the number of incompletions. It is the number of humanity because we were created on the sixth day. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the number of humanity that has not yet entered into its rest, which is the number seven. All right. So um, it's, it's humanity in its rebellion against God who has rejected 
him and is stuck then in the number six. Is stuck in that that six day um, without entering into the, to that the rest that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Hmm. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so in a sense, they're identifying themselves with this entity instead of you know being part of the winning team. This is what they put on their their foreheads and and their hands. Um, interesting. Yeah, and, and, and it's it uh, obviously even the forehead and the hands are symbolic. It's not that uh, right. that we go around, you know, like I said, you know, putting chips here or, or you know, secret signs. Right. Um, it's it's the same way that the saints are sealed back in uh, chapter seven, right? They, we receive a seal. Well, do we have a secret mark on us someplace that <laughs> identifies us? You know, we are the elect. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's <laughs> Mark does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's got it in his name. Yeah. Mark is the Mark. That's right. <laughs> that's funny. Um, okay. So, you know, that's a big, that's the, one of the things that people are most interested in. So I'm glad we spent some time on that. Um, and that takes us into revelation 14, uh, which is the 144,000. If I'm not mistaken, is that Jehovah's Witnesses that yeah, think there will only so. be 144,000? The remnant. Yeah. Right. 144,000 that go to heaven. I understand. They, the rest of Jehovah's Witnesses that, you know, are true believers uh, get to stay here on, you know, just like uh, a, a, a really nice earth. Semi-heaven. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> so the Jehovah's Witnesses... Um, are both Amil and uh, historic pre-mill ah. because the Amil guys get to go to heaven at the second coming <laughs> of Jesus. The pre-mill guys, uh, you know, the, the the rest of them get to stay with the pre-mill guys down here. I see on on, on Earth during the millennium. It's like a a little eschatology sampler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, All right, so yeah, so we we're going to. Um, first of all, Mount Zion. And uh, throughout the Old Testament, Mount Zion is where the temple is located. Mm-hmm. Okay. So sometimes Jerusalem is identified as Zion, um, but, uh, but, but the Mount Zion is, this is the place where God meets with his people, right? And, uh, and they, they worship him and, and they celebrate him. Now this number 144,000 takes us back to, again, chapter 7, uh, those that were sealed before uh, the foundations of of the world, right? So they were they were sealed as God's um, you know people. So this is not the sealing that takes place someplace off in the future. This is from before the creation. Their names have been written in the Lamb's Book of Life, um, and so uh, so that represents then the saints of the Old Testament and the New Testament. Our old covenant and new covenant saints, um, and there's there's a number of things that uh, that help us to identify that. Uh, not only do we have the 144,000 who are there with the Lamb, all right. So the Lamb, um, again, it's you know it's not the lion, it's the Lamb. Um, the Lamb being our redemption, all right. So and and that's what we're celebrating. We're celebrating our redemption through Jesus Christ. Uh, there and so it's on, on Mount Zion. Now this is not 
the earthly Mount Zion. This is the heavenly Mount Zion. It's what uh, the writer of Hebrews uh, tells us in, in Hebrews 12, that uh, that we are, are gathered with the, uh, the saints, you know, in Mount Zion, that is, uh, you know, not the physical Jerusalem, but have, have, have been brought into the heavenly uh, Zion. And so uh, this, this is in heaven that the saints are gathered and they are um, celebrating and, and worshiping uh, the work that the Lamb has done there. And as, as they celebrate the, uh, the work there, they, they are, you know, harpist harping. That's the, the, the actual way that it's phrased. You know, these are harpers harping. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're singing and they're, they're playing harps. Does that mean when we get to heaven that each of us is, is given a harp? You know, <laughs> David's going to teach us how to play it. Could be. Uh, Could you be. Know. I hope so. Uh, sure, that would, uh, that would be wonderful. I'd, uh, you know, um, I, could be, I always kick myself for not having learned to yeah. play an instrument. Before you got there, kid, yeah. You know. um, but, uh, but they are also those who have not defiled themselves. And, uh, and, and you have to read this in light of chapter 13. What is defiling yourself? Okay. Um, mm-hmm. that, that, you know, it's, it's not sexual intercourse because, uh, you know, the marriage bed is undefiled uh, for those who, you know, are in Christ. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's, it's not, uh, it's, it has nothing to do with the, uh, the, the, the sexual relationship then between men and women. Um, but they've not defiled themselves with chapter 13, with the beast, the false prophet, the, the dragon. Um, and then, uh, they're, but they're virgins, okay? So that's where we, you know, come up with the, the sexual connotations here. Uh, but the, the concept of a virgin then is, again, that of not being defiled. And um, all the way through the Old Testament, Israel is seen as a prostitute, Okay. It's not a virgin. Um, it's it's a prostitute. It's prostitute itself with all the gods of of, of the angels or of the nations, and uh, and as a result of of that, um, they're condemned. Okay, so these are not defiled. That is, they have not gone to the gods of the nations, um, and, and and therefore they're virgins. And and Paul says that about the church. All right, he says that that he has espoused us as you know, virgins um, to the Lord. And then he's talking to married people. We know that because, you know, 1 Corinthians 7 is talking about marriage and and all of that. So um, this idea of, of being a virgin is is uh, that that we have one husband that we're waiting for, and that's, that, that's Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And that's going to happen in chapter 19 with the marriage, uh, you know, supper of the Lamb. So... The as you look at that, then um, they are the first fruits, all right. Um, they uh, and, and and that's because the saints who have died are pre- absent from the body, present with the Lord. So they're the first fruits, they are they're part of the what uh, chapter twenty will will call the first resurrection. Um, they are present with the Lord, and they are celebrating. Now, why, why this contrast between chapter 13 and chapter 14? Okay? Because 
if Satan's down here on earth and he's seeking to destroy us and, and, and you know, he's got all this power uh, that's, that's you know, supporting him, the governments and, and institutions of the world and the religions of the world, and they're all set against the church, what chance does the church have? Oh, don't worry about it. The moment you die, you're absent from the body, present with the Lord, you're into to, to worshiping him, and you're awaiting uh, that final resurrection, which is the, the marriage uh, of the Lamb. Uh, so the, uh, the, the first fruits, there's no lie in their mouth. That is, they're speaking the truth about salvation through Jesus Christ, uh, and they have spoken that, and they then you have that next part that goes into the presentation of the eternal gospel, hmm. right? You know, I know something that stuck out to me about this, uh, this first part of Revelation 14 is that, uh, and I, I keep going back to this, and I don't want to harp on it too much, but this is what I spent my whole life being, was a dispensational premillennialist, um, is that it, it mentions in verse 1 that the 144,000 have the name of the lamb and his father written on their foreheads. And unless I missed it, I never heard anybody talking about Christians in the tribulation physically also having a mark on their forehead as, you know, as opposed to the folks who have six, six, six on their forehead. I had never heard anybody talking about, well, then you obviously did not read uh, the left behind series. I guess I missed that one. <laughs> Uh, yes, uh, in the Left Behind series, they do have a mark. Oh, I see. Um, I see. Uh, you know, and it's uh, only believers can see it. Uh, oh, I understand. It. I understand. Okay, I missed that one. Then <laughs> I must have missed it. No. Okay. Um, yes, but it's it's what we were saying when we were talking about having the six six six. Right. It's, 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 that's the seal um, that 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 we have um, that that we belong to. Uh, through Jesus Christ, we belong to the Father. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, yeah, so uh, as, as we move along, then um, we have the message of, of the three, um, you know, angels uh, there, or again, the three messengers. And um, the, uh, the, the first one there flies overhead, and he has the eternal gospel to proclaim to those that are on, on the earth to every nation, tribe, language, and and people. And by the way, that's a standard uh, description that's given throughout the book of Revelation, that phrase that has those four things, nation, tribe, language, and people. It, it appears over and over again, and it's it's just another way of saying, you know, everyone, um, you know, on the planet mm -hmm. uh, there, uh, which is a change, by the way. Remember we said, you know, that you had the gospel only going to a quarter of the people uh, in the uh, with the the um, seals and a third of the the, uh, the world in a sense with the the um, trumpets, but now the message is going out to the whole world, hmm. uh, to everyone, um, and so fear God and give Him glory because the hour of His judgment has come, uh, and worship Him who made the heavens and the earth, the sea and the springs of water. Uh, now, this this is where uh, you know people say, okay, now it's now now we're in the tribulation, and you know God is going to you know start uh, judging. Uh, the reality is, though, uh, what is the hour of His judgment? And we talked about that before. Um, that you know, it's 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 God's timing. It's not just you know a specific hour. 
It's uh, this, this is the time of God's judgment. And, and what is he judging? He's judging those who have rejected Jesus Christ. Uh, and that has been going on since the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, so we're in the last hour, um, the, the scripture says. Um, and, and so the, uh, the, the, there's another angel. Um, the, uh, or there, there's a second angel that talks about Babylon falling. What's interesting is Babylon has not been mentioned now, and it's not going to be mentioned again until you know, when we get down to chapter, I think, 17, uh, where it's going to be mentioned again. And it's like, where did this come from? Mm-hmm. What's Babylon? You know, what's that got to do with anything? Uh, and uh, of course, the uh, the um, dispensationalists are, you know believe in the, the rebuilding of mm-hmm. Babylon, just like they believe in the rebuilding of the temple. Right. Uh, but um, Babylon is it is Rome. On the one hand, uh, we see that in Second Peter um, when he, he he calls Rome Babylon. Uh, so Babylon is is you know, Rome is a symbol. Of Babylon, why? Because Babylon is the symbol of uh, those that destroyed, you know, attempted to destroy the the, the Jewish nation, the evil and, empire, right? And, and the seventy years uh, that they were there waiting for, uh, you know, for their uh, release and the, uh, the, the the promise of of going back to the land, mm-hmm. um, and and so it becomes symbolic of. The, the you know that period of time in which we live in the world, and as we were talking to the the uh, post millennialist, um, yes, we, we we are to be in the world, and we are to be uh, you know building our houses and having our families, and you know getting into businesses and and doing all those kind of things, having being salt and light in the midst of the world, but it's a temporary thing, mm-hmm. you know the 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 Babylonian kingdom did not become a Christian kingdom, hmm. you know, or a Jewish kingdom. Uh, the Jews were in the midst of it, but they, you know, they did not take it over, uh, but they did influence it, right? And so that's, uh, that's the same thing that we're talking about here um, because Rome is going to fall. But, uh, and so, you know, those partial preterists, uh, you know, are correct in uh, at, at, at one part in saying, yeah, well, see, this is, this is talking about, you know, Rome. Uh, yes, but it's not talking about Rome, okay? It's, it's using Rome just as the same way you use Babylon. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's talking about the things that were going on there as symbolic of the destruction uh, and rebellion uh, against God of any empire, yeah, and we'll see that later on uh, as well. Just uh, another point on that, and something that I noticed when we were talking about the beast, and and I don't think that Revelation speaks on Christians transforming the beast and causing the beast to become a worker on behalf of God or something of that nature. I think instead it talks about the destruction of the beast and the sea beast and, and the antichrist. Whereas it seems to me as if post-millennialism is more of a transformation of the beast, a transformation of Babylon instead of a destruction of it. And so that was an issue that, that I saw when learning about the post-mill view. Yes, definitely. But I see. I would make that same argument for the millennium period. Mm-hmm. 
um, because you're basically saying the same thing. Uh, you know, the, the post-millennialist says, okay, the world's going to get better and better because the church is going to expand and, and, and you know, um, the, the mustard seed, uh, the leaven, the stone that, uh, that, that grows into a mountain. Uh, so, you know, it's going to get better and better and the world's going to get better and better. And, and as you pointed out, um, Revelation doesn't give us any hint uh, of that. Mm-hmm. But I would argue that the same thing is true of the millennium. Because you're 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 basically saying the same thing, that uh, you know the, that everything in the world is going to get better and better because Christ is going to come down, you know, and uh, and and the vast majority of the world is going to be under His control, and, mm-hmm. and so you you you're basically all you're doing is switching out, you know, the second coming of the the first of the second comings of Jesus, yeah, and, and, and so you know, is there that big of a difference between the post-millennial and the historic pre-mill. I never thought of it that uh, way. So, yeah, it's interesting. anyway, um, yeah, but we're not here to to uh, <laughs> yeah. debate the millennial. <laughs> you, uh, you might hear hints. We actually recorded an episode that comes, you know, a couple episodes in the future from now. We actually recorded it yesterday, so I think there's a little bit of that on our mind as we continue through the Book of Revelation. <laughs> yes, I think so. All right, so so then you have the uh, the the this this third um, angel, okay, and the the condemnation that comes uh, against those that remain, you know, that, that drink of the wine of the uh, of the world um, of the world systems and and reject the uh, this gospel, this eternal gospel that's gone out. Um, and, and notice that the eternal gospel has gone out, and yet you still have Babylon, and you still have uh, those that are, are drinking of, of the, you know, the wine of Babylon and are going to come under the same judgment as, uh, as these world kingdoms. Um, and, and notice here that uh, you know, what, we, what we get is um, Babylon, not the Antichrist. Right, you know, we just came out of chapter thirteen. You would mm-hmm. expect the uh, this, this, you know, um, those who you know follow the Antichrist and, and and those things, but rather it's those that are part of Babylon that are are those that are condemned. And then uh, you know, chapter fourteen goes on to the judgments, mm-hmm. and and you know, this is one of the reasons why it's kind of hard to take the book of Revelation in a chronological sequence because you have the, the double harvest that takes place here, right? And, and the one harvest is the harvest of the unbelievers, of the wicked. And then the, the second harvest is the harvest of the redeemed, of those that, uh, that are you know, saved by the Lamb. And these two harvests are taking place, apparently, uh, at the same time, um, in, uh, in in terms of that, and so you have the judgment of the world, and you have the salvation of those that um, are, uh, are are saved through the blood of the Lamb. And here we are in chapter fourteen. We haven't gotten anywhere near mm. the Battle of Armageddon or any of those uh, things, um, and and yet we have this 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 these two harvests that um, are are taking place uh, there, and. The the the, the um, this this is not uh, you know I'm I'm not saying that this is the end 
I'm just saying that if, if, if we look at this in a literal um, kind of way, then that's what this is. Mm -hmm. But this is, again, if we're looking at it in typological or, or the, you know, you can call it symbolic or whatever way, this is those who, who are in the world and don't accept Jesus Christ, when, when they die, they're harvested for hell. Mm -hmm. And those who are in Christ... They're they're harvested uh, for eternal life, and, and and so this is laying this out. It's what it's doing is it's setting up um, this this uh, idea of if you're in the church. Remember, this is first century that this is being written. If you're in the church, you have to make that decision. Who are you going to listen to? Because there is consequent. There are consequences to this. And those consequences are going to be that you're either going to go to hell or you're going to, to go to heaven. So make wise decisions in terms of who you're going to follow. Hmm. Interesting. So that uh, brings us down to, to the end uh, again. And you notice that the end of each of these kind of vision things um, you, you you still have numerology, yeah, right. Mm -hmm. And at, at the end of this one, uh, we have this wine press trodden outside the city, uh, and the blood flowed from the wine press as high as a horse's bridle, sixteen hundred stadia. You know, it's like okay. First of all, what's a stadia? Yeah, how that's big. Is I'm thinking that? right now? How deep is this? <laughs> you know, uh, you know the the, the the blood flowing is, you know, I think as high as a horse's bridle. Um, yeah. are, are we talking about a pony or are we talking about a Clydesdale here? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's uh, a good distinction know, there, yeah. Uh, you know, either way, that's a lot of blood flowing, yeah. you know. Um, and, uh, and how is it all being contained uh, if we're going to, um, you know, again, we're going to try to take this stuff in, in a literal um, fashion and the the uh, this is outside the city, okay. What which city are we talking about? Babylon here, and I would say um, yes and no. Uh, what we're talking about is what's going to happen in uh, in Revelation twenty two, where outside of the city are the dogs and the you know all, all those evil things. Uh, that are discussed there. Uh, that does not mean if you have a pet who's a dog uh, <laughs> that you've got a problem. Um, but what we do have is the the outside the city. Um, where was Jesus crucified? Outside the city. On the he was crucified yeah. outside the city. Mm -hmm. um, so there, you know, that's where the crucifixions take place. That's that's where the death takes place. But this is not the crucifixion of Christians. This is of the unbelievers, mm. and uh, and you know the the outflow of the blood um, is that's their life, okay, right? The blood is is the life, um, so it's it's the outflow of of their life that all on the earth have to die for their rebellion for for their sin, and the four times one hundred, um, you know, is earth, right? The number four. Is, is the earthly, uh, you know, and it's, so it's four times four is, you know, covering the whole of the earth uh, and all of them 
times the number 100, which is 10 times 10. Mm -hmm. uh, and so this is, uh, this is uh, talking about the fact that the whole earth is covered with the blood uh, of those who have rebelled. That is, all of them will die in their sins and will, uh, will pay uh, with their lives hmm. um, for all of eternity. Gotcha. So it's not actually 1600 stadia, however much that is. There's no literal blood that will run as high as a pony's bridle. Yeah. Um, I, you, it, if you're going to do that, you'd have to do it in sort of like a Colosseum thing where the blood couldn't pour into a river. It couldn't pour I into uh, the ocean. It couldn't, you know, it's, it's got to be contained. I'm uh, just curious. Do you know how much a stadia actually is? I did. Um, Let me see. When I taught Revelation, I did. It says about 606 feet. That's a lot of feet. Yeah. 1,600 times 606. That's a lot of sixes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is it six? Wait six? a second. <laughs> okay, I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. So it's just Listen. it's just all the people of the earth. Yeah. So, yeah, 9,600 feet, is that what it is? Something like that? You know, yeah, something, something, something like that. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, almost two miles square. Yeah, you know, at at that depth. Yeah. So That's a lot of blood. Um, yeah. So again, it it comes back to understanding what is it. You know, what do the numbers represent? Right. Mm -hmm. Um. In this thing, uh, but notice it's not a triple. It's not four times four times four. You know, times a thousand. Right. And 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 the, the reason for that I think, I mean, again, there's a little bit of speculation going on uh, there, but I think the the, the that um, the, that leaves us with some hope. It, it, it's not that everyone on the earth is is destroyed, mm. but only those that aren't believers. Um, and, and and so it's 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 not abs it's not the absoluteness of of all of this, right? Uh, because there are believers who are not going to be uh, part of that because they're going to be harvested for life. That makes sense. It's not the full totality of all humanity ever, right? It's just mm -hmm. a portion. It's a large, a very large portion. It's it, yes, it's it's the largest portion. Which again goes against post yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got to stop with the, <laughs> <laughs> the post <-mill. laughs> Okay, so that brings us into Revelation 15, and we have the seven angels with seven plagues here. And this, admittedly, for me, once we get to 15 to 19, these are probably the chapters that I've read the least and studied the least out of all of them. Um, so I know I know just about nothing about the seven angels with seven plagues. <laughs> okay, well, uh, there's a couple of things that that you have to pick up on uh, first in in verse one, um, as he sees you know the seven angels and the seven plagues. Notice that it says which are the last, for with them the wrath of God is finished. Okay, so we've seen the seven seals, we've seen the seven trumpets, right? Um, and but those were partial judgments. One was a quarter, one was a third, uh, in terms of of the judgments. Um, but this is the final. This is the, this is the complete. This is the total. And uh, uh, not to harp too much on this, but again, if we go back and we say, well, what does the quarter represent? Well, that for me, that re represents creation to Moses, uh, where uh, you know th there was not a, a clear message. Um, that was given, and it was only given to a very small 
uh, percentage of, of the world, you know, Abraham and, and his descendants. Um, and, and then you have uh, the, the coming of Moses and the law and the expansion of the gospel uh, moving throughout the Middle East uh, and impacting the people in the, in, in the Middle East. And so, you know, moving to then that third. Uh, but then with this, uh, we will see through this that it's everything. It's, it's, it's everyone, every place. Um, you know, there's, there, there's no percentage left. Okay, and that's because the gospel has gone to the whole world. You know, we saw that back in the chapter before, where the angels, you know, flying over the whole earth with the eternal gospel. You know, the message is going to all the nations um, uh, of the earth. Would you see this then as a precursor to Christ's second return? That the the gospel has to go out to the entire earth. Oh yeah, that, I mean Jesus said that. Okay. Um, so, uh, and and you can't have people from every language, nation, you know, um, tongue, unless you uh, unless the gospel goes every place. Gotcha. Um, there, we won't get into the specifics of, of how that all works, <laughs> but um, you know, if if we're going to talk about the Assyrians and uh, you know what what were the uh, you know the Incas and the Aztecs and mm-hmm. uh, you know the Native Americans uh, before. Christianity jumped the uh, the ocean. Um, that's a discussion for another time. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, you know, he sees this the sea of glass mingled with fire, um, and, and those who had uh, conquered the beast and the image, and it's you know they're standing on the sea of glass. Where did we see the sea of glass before? Chapter in chapter four. Two. Oh, four. Yeah. Yep. All right. So in chapter four. When when God is seated on His throne, and you have the sea of glass, uh, and that's, right. that's that's His omniscience, His ability to see everything that's, that's right. going on yeah. on the earth. So so where are they? They're back in chapter four. Okay, they you know they're before the throne, um, and uh, and and what's you know what's interesting is what are they singing? They're singing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. And yet, it's the same song. Hmm. Okay. Well, what does that represent? <laughs> well, it represents the fact that you have the Old Testament saints, uh, the Old Covenant saints that have been redeemed, are joined together with the New Covenant saints um, as they enter into the presence of God uh, and they worship uh, Him through the Lamb. All right, and they're singing the song of of the Lamb. And what would you expect the song of the Lamb to be? Uh, well, you would expect the Song of the Lamb to be chapter 5, where you have, uh, you know, you've redeemed from all the nations and the peoples and languages. You, you've redeemed the people unto yourself and all of that. But what do we get here? Uh, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God, the Almighty, just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? You alone are holy. All the nations will come and worship for you, uh, for your righteous acts have been revealed. Um, okay, so... Wait a minute. How's that the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb? Yeah. Okay. Well, this is because evangelism has gone out to the whole world. Gotcha. This is the fulfillment of Isaiah chapter two, verses two and three, that uh, that is used to to say, you know, all you know that that the millennial kingdom or the post millennial kingdom that uh, that you know we've got to fulfill this. Okay, we've got to fulfill Isaiah two. 
verses two and three. And this is saying it is fulfilled. Mm. As the gospel goes out to the whole earth, um, it is fulfilled. And, then, and people from all those nations uh, are uh, through Jesus Christ, through the, the the Lamb, whether it was under the old covenant or whether it's under the new covenant, through the Lamb, they are declaring the glory of God. But where are they declaring it? They're in heaven. They're not on. They're they're not on earth. They're in heaven. Uh, you know, in, in the throne room from uh, from chapter four. Hmm. Okay. Uh, and then you know he sees the sanctuary, the tent of witness in heaven opened. Okay, so we saw a temple in, in chapter 11 in heaven. Now we see the tent of testimony. That's the old tent, you know, the, that's the... the uh, so the, the tabernacle? The, that's the tabernacle, okay, the tent of meeting. Uh, and, and now that's here um, in, in heaven as well. And it's like, okay, wait a minute, you know. <laughs> Uh, we're going backwards in history yeah, yeah. here. You know, <laughs> we're undoing uh, uh, all of these things. And out of that sanctuary came the seven angels, the seven plagues, clothed, you know, with the golden sashes and all of those kind of things. And it's like, well, wait a minute. You know, we get to chapter twenty, and there is no temple, and obviously there's no ten of the testimony. So you scratch your head and you say, what are we talking about here? Right. Okay. Well, what is the purpose of either the temple or the tent of, of testimony? That's when God comes and meets with his people, okay? Um, and that, that's, uh, as, as Jacob would put it with the, the ladder, um, and he says, you know, this, this is, this, this is, this is the, the, the throne room of God. This is, this is you know, Bethel. This is, this is the house of God mm-hmm. um, here, okay? So where are they coming from? Well, this is just another way of saying and they're coming out of the presence of God, right? Um, and, and whether you want to describe that as the temple, whether you want to describe it as the tent of testimony, uh, it, it's God, but it's God on Mount Sinai rather than on Mount Zion, okay? In other words, where did you get the tent of testimony? You got it at Mount Sinai. And, and what is the symbols of God on Mount Sinai? Fire and brimstone and thunder mm-hmm. and hail and lightning and, and, and all of those things. And so this is taking us back to Exodus. It's taking us back to the plagues. It's taking us back to God's judgment against uh, Egypt, which is Babylon, which is Rome, which is the United States of America, yeah. <laughs> you know, all of those things. So it, it's important. Again, it, John doesn't just toss in words. Mm-hmm. When he when he gives us something like this, he wants us to reflect on you know that you know where is that and, and and what's the meaning of that, and so they're coming out of the presence of God, but they're not coming out of of the the sanctuary, uh, you know, as nice people. <laughs> they're coming out and you know Mount Sinai. They're coming out of of God's judgment on on both Israel and on uh, Egypt uh, in the rebellion. Uh, against him, and and so the uh, you know the sanctuary is filled with smoke from the glory of God. No one can enter. This happens both with the dedication of of the the uh, tent of meeting, the tabernacle, and with the temple when the glory of God comes down um, and and drives people out. Well, why are they driven out? They're driven out because we're not holy, right? 
right? And, and so these are, they, you know, this is this is God's power, His glory flowing out through these messengers that are bringing His final judgment, um, not on Egypt, okay, not even on on Babylon, but on all the kingdoms of the world um, and and religions of the world. And then we, uh, you know, we jump to chapter sixteen, and now they're they're going to go out, and they're going to you know pour out their judgments. And again, as we've seen with the seven seals, and we've seen it with the seven uh, bowls, the particularly with the seven bowls more even than the seven seals, um, the these judgments are a, a take off from the plagues of Egypt. But they're not the same as the plagues of, uh, of Egypt. Um, there's enough difference for us to say, okay, you know, he's using that, but he's using it in, the, in that typological way um, to describe God's judgments on the earth, the whole earth now, not just part of the earth, but on the whole earth, because all have are hearing the eternal gospel now. The gospel is going out through the whole world, and they're continuing to rebel. Hmm. So um, that brings us to uh, chapter uh, 16. And uh, again, now, instead of the tent of meeting, um, we have the temple. Okay? So uh, you can see this. Uh, the, the, he's doing this purposefully. Mm-hmm. He, he wants us not to focus on you know one thing but on uh, on the the whole concept of you know what is the tent of meeting what is uh, what is the temple and then you know we don't need to go into each of these descriptive uh concepts of what each of these seven uh plagues um it, you know illustrate for us because again all you have to do is go back and read the the plagues of Egypt and the similarities are are there, and the the, the similarities uh, of those plagues take us down to. Uh, sorry, I'm trying to get down seventeen. In my, in my text. Uh, yes. All right. So we get down to the demonic frogs. Uh, so that uh, the river Euphrates, the sixth angel. Okay, so we come to the sixth angel, and we have to, you know, the great river Euphrates, and water dried up, and preparing for the kings of the east to come, and people get hung up with that, uh, you know, and, and saying this is, you know, China, Russia, you know, mm-hmm. they're going to come. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad they have two hundred million horses uh, <laughs> that they're going to be riding uh, through there. But anyway, but we could beat those uh, horses pretty easily, probably yeah. nowadays. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You know, so but the but the bottom line is, um, what is going on here? What does the River Euphrates stand for? And we don't have time to go through all of that. But Euphrates is the edge of of Israel's uh, original kingdom. Mm-hmm. Okay, under David, uh, and and it, that's that symbolizes the edge. And anything to the east, like where's you know. Adam and Eve were kicked out of the Garden of Eden. Where they're kicked out to the east. When Cain is is kicked out of uh, of the relationship with Adam and Eve, where does he go? He goes to the east. Everything is constantly going to the east, and that's that's not to say that there's something wrong with everybody in the east, because all of us are in the east. 
you know, yeah. depending on where sense, you are yeah, on the that's planet, true, yeah. we're all in the East. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, so, uh, you know, we talk about the Eastern world and the Western, but in reality, we're all East of, of somebody. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so the, uh, that's, it's, it's, it's simply saying those that are outside of the kingdom. Okay. Okay. And, and, and so you have these, uh, you know, uh, uh, these, the dragon, the um, false prophet, and the um, the 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 land or the ocean beast, the sea beast, here, and, and you have these frogs that are coming out of their mouths. Okay, yeah. so now are these actual people then? Okay, because if you're going to say that you have the, the ocean beast or sea beast is a uh, is the antichrist. And the false prophet is, you know, the prophet that works with him. Um, then you also have to say the dragon is. Mm-hmm. You, you, you can't say, well, two out of the three are, um, because you know they're all put together. They're all lumped here together, and uh, they have these demonic spirits going out uh, in, into the world. And their, their their purpose is again to to seek to deceive. Uh, by the way, this jumps us ahead to the millennial. <laughs> Uh, chapter 20 as well, uh, with, the, the, in a sense, the return of Satan, uh, which we'll get to there. And then you have the battle of, of uh, Har-Mageddon, um, and, uh, you know, they're, they're assembling for this, this great uh, battle at Har-Mageddon. Uh, Har means mountain, so it's the Mount of Megiddo, and there is no Mount of Megiddo. Um, there, there, there's, there's no such place. There's a plain, um, but there's no uh, mountain uh, now the closest mountain to that is Mount Carmel. Mm-hmm. And what happened at Mount Carmel? That's where Elijah took on the 450 prophets of, of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah. Right. Uh, and, and and so it's it, it again it's taking us in you know through typology it's taking us back to that battle uh, where God overcomes all the religions uh, of the world in that sense and destroys them. Uh, and so you have this, this this final thing. But if this is the battle of Armageddon, then what do we have in chapter 19? And what do we have at the end of chapter 20, uh, where we have these battles and everybody's killed in, 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 in both of those battles and everybody's killed in this battle? <laughs> right. Okay. So, uh, again, we're talking symbolic uh, typology here. We're not talking about uh, an actual physical uh, war that's going to take place on some plane that's a mountain, uh, somewhere uh, off in the future, and then you have the seventh um, one, and and you have those uh, words: "It is done," you know, "It is finished." Uh, where have we heard that before, right? Uh, now, this is not the exact same word that Jesus spoke on the cross, but the implication is the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the the work of God's wrath is finished; it's completed, and uh, and, and you know, the great city uh, is split into three parts: the cities of the nations fall. Uh, Babylon drinks the cup, and and then chapter seventeen and chapter eighteen are going to be a, a description of this. It's going to expand uh, this, and we'll get to that in uh, another episode, I believe. Awesome, yeah. So we we went through a lot today. Um, we've we've covered, I believe, five chapters now. Five more chapters of the Book of Revelation. We covered the Mark of the Beast. Uh, the beast in general, we, we, we discussed the land beast, the sea beast. We got into the bold judgments and uh, it was a lot to digest. And so Nick has mentioned before, we're going to have these resources posted on the website. 
Um, but besides that, you're going to need so- to spend some time actually reading through this and wrestling with this on your own as well. Um, we're we're doing a deep dive into the text, but it feels like as we're talking through it, we could go much much deeper than we are. <laughs> Which is interesting, you know, no matter how much time we spend on it, it feels like we can go even further deep into the text and just spend so much time on it. But um, we can't be out here releasing 12-hour episodes a week uh, because that just wouldn't fly, I don't think. Um, But Pastor Chris, I appreciate you walking us through the next five books of Revelation. Guys, make sure you tune in to the grand finale of Revelation coming up next. We're going to be discussing... uh, potentially the most controversial chapter which is 20 and then summing it up all the way to revelation 22 if you like what you heard today uh you guys make sure you reach out on social media send us a message on instagram or twitter or anything like that you can find all our resources on bibledingers.com if you're listening to this on apple Podcasts, we also have blogs and links to our youtube and things of that nature where you'll find more bible study resources Mark, Pastor Chris, any other final thoughts before we close out? It's crazy to be at the end. Yeah, yeah, that's true. We've been doing this for a long time. Literally and figuratively. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, guys. Thanks again. I hope you enjoyed.